It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, presented by Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12 and Local12.com, along with Rick Broering, where we're going to touch on uh, topics of local interest and national interest. And because I'm the old guy, he's the young guy, we won't agree on much. I can, I got a feeling we'll agree on some things, because he's more logical than, than most young people I know. But I'm the old guy, I'm the get-off-your-lawn guy. He's the young guy who thinks he has perspective, but yet he does not. Rick, how are we today? I'm, I couldn't be happier. I'm excited about this little bit of a reboot. We've worked, I, since I was 18, we've worked on many different little projects. Yes. I've like helped you with yes. different things. Yes, you have. We've done things where I'm like a third wheel in it. Yep. Never once have we actually sat down and just said, we're going to do a show together. Head to head. So I'm very excited about right, this. Head to head. All right, let's start with the, with the Bengals lost to Pittsburgh on, on Sunday, 28-21, uh, led 21-20 late. Um I have my takeaway. What, 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 you, what is your takeaway? Because you are a Bengal fan. You grew up in this area, obviously. What, what, what's, the, what's the main thing you take from that loss? So, uh, full disclosure, a little peek behind the curtains. Yes. We had talked about doing this thing last week. I said, okay, so here are sort of, if the, we were doing it for real this week, here would be my topics. Right. One of my topics was, will Bengals fans overreact to this loss? Or re- overreact to this result, what, regardless we're, of we're what happens, win or lose. lose, before the game happened. Now that the game has happened, I'm going to be the one overreacting because I don't care what you say about this Bengals team. I I have learned not to take for granted a season where you make the playoffs because of what we saw last year. That wasn't fun watching a, a But a lot of fans still do. a 7 and 9 team. Correct. I agree. Correct. But at the end of the day, the only topic that matters about this team is can they win a playoff game? Can they advance? And the fact of the matter is after seeing that defense and what happened with that defense, how can you honestly think that this team is any different from any of the other good teams we've seen under Marvin Lewis. The only thing I can tell you is you can in one degree because they have overcome adversity a bunch of different times this year. And they overcame adversity in that game. They overcame a deficit in that game to take the lead. You're right about the defense. I'm not going to disagree with that. You've, you've got the lead with a minute 18 to go. I don't care if it's Johnny Unitas. I don't care if it's Bart Starr. I don't care if it's a Hall of Fame quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. Your defense has to make a stand. That is the point of it. But, the, but this team has continued to fight back from deficits. And yeah, this isn't about giving kids orange slices and patting them on the back and saying great try good effort kid I think this team is different because it has shown me it can do that the next step is you've got to make a stand in that circumstance I love that they come back I love what the offense has done that's been fun to watch my question for you is is the defensive issues is that a a talent a personnel problem because the idea that Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson, uh, Sam Hubbard, uh, Carl Lawson could all get just completely shut out Got by, dominated. by a Pittsburgh offensive line, that is good. Three, but, pro, three Pro Bowlers from last year. I mean, they're, they're three good. Three Pro Bowlers, that's a pretty good group. But I, I don't think anyone talks about that offensive line as the best in the NFL. Maybe they should. You know, that's funny. Maybe they should. Maybe you're seeing why is Le'Veon Bell think he's so valued? Why did Le'Veon Bell have so much success? Guess what? James Conner's having the same success. Ben's still there. Ben didn't get touched. I, I, I think seen, maybe we, we've, we've undervalued that offensive line. But Ben gets hit a lot. Because he, some, he drops back own, 60 times a game and runs around like a crazy man and he's 55 years old. And the Bengals still didn't touch that him. That is a fact. That is my issue. That, that, we, we always see him get hit, even against the Bengals. The Bengals usually get to him. They got no pressure. How can that happen? Is that a is that a personnel issue or a coaching issue in your opinion? No, I, I think that was a tip my cap to the Steelers issue. I'm going to say... You know what? That offensive line won the one-on-one battles that day. Good for them. But but you're right. I mean, if that that is your best position group, that group should have won the game for you. That group was the one that won the game the week before. They should have closed it out for you. They did not. And they didn't even need to win the game for you. They needed to do anything to help the offense. Correct. Because the defense did absolutely nothing. And that was my takeaway is that this defense cannot win a playoff game. And that's the only thing that matters right now for this Bengals franchise. And that's fair. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's a fair reaction because it is still prove it to me, prove it to you, prove it to the fans, or you can't buy in. I get that. And the other problem with it is, this is what now, year 15 of Marvin Lewis, and we saw things like the, you don't go for it on that fourth down. That was ended up being such a big call in, in the scope of things, and he was so conservative. It was it's stupid. It, but at what point, like, if you're a Bengals fan, you know not to expect good game management from Marvin Lewis, or, or you don't you know not to expect him to be aggressive and go for it in those types of situations. And that's the other part, too, is you're talking about 
you don't believe in this defense taking the team to the next level, and that's that's fair because they've not done a whole lot this year to prove that. This is not a defensive league, though, anymore. This is an offensive league, and that's why what you just brought up, too, on fourth and one, you have to go for it. Fourth and one, not at your own 27, not at your own nine. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have fourth and one at your own nine, but not at your own 19. You're fourth and one at the Steeler, Steeler 40. You just returned to kick off 51 yards after you just scored the half before. You can make a yard, and if you don't, well, shame on you. Guess what? Now your defense has to make a stop. Instead, Pittsburgh bleeds the clock. They go down, kick a field goal. It, it was such a bad decision on so many levels that, that old-school Marvin has to get with new-school football, which is it's an offensive league, and you have to take risks and chances. I guess I'm to the point with the Bengals where and Marvin Lewis where unless they have personnel that's just overly talented that's going to overwhelm you, I know what to expect out of them. They are what they are, and they're not going to win in the playoffs. The only thing about this year was, for a little bit, I started to think they might be overwhelmingly talented. I don't think they're overwhelmingly talented. I do think they're very talented, especially when they have all pieces in place. They lost a major piece in Eifert. Um, I don't know how much of a major piece John Ross is, but he's a piece, and he's a he's a piece that defenses have to to honor. You lose two of those guys, suddenly you quickly take a big dip down in the in the in the talent level sector of things. I still think this team has shown me that it can overcome things. Um, so I'm not going to overreact to the point that I don't think this is a team capable of winning a playoff game. I do think it still is, um, but. I, I get anybody that feels that way because guess what? Show me. And you didn't show me on Sunday. I've been very negative so far on the Bengals to start this podcast, but I do want to say my only other takeaway from this would be Tyler Boyd has become like that TJ Hushman Zada option off yes. of Chad Johnson yes. for AJ Green. He is legitimately just changing the entire scope of this Bengals offense because of what he's done. And, this and that's where I think John Ross even adds to that mix even further. Now that Tyler Boyd has become a, a weapon or at least somebody you have to honor, or if you choose to continue not to honor and single cover him when John Ross comes back, he is going to continue to, he's going to wind up with 1,200 yards, 80 catches, um, eight or nine touchdowns, and you're going to look at him and go, wow, what a step this guy took. And, and he has, he's taken a huge step. Skinny, a lot of the other topics when you talk Bengals Steelers always tends to be the extracurriculars, the nonsense between these two teams. Um, I think some people are tired of it. Some people love that, that there's still real hatred in this rivalry, regardless of how you feel. Uh, Perfect allegedly called out Juju Smith-Schuster telling him, you're next after knocking Antonio Brown out of the game temporarily with that shoulder to his head. Um, ben Roethlisberger had said that he he got up to him and said, hey, welcome back. Glad we missed you while you were out, and my wife's been praying for you, and Vontez wanted to fight him right before that play. One, do you even have a problem with any of this? If Vontez is on the field saying, I'm gonna, you're next, do you have a problem with him doing that? I don't have a problem with him saying that. I don't have a problem with him, with him talking whatever he wants to talk trash-wise. I have a problem with him continuing to go over the line and do stupid things to hurt his football team. I have a problem with him after missing a tackle on Vance McDonald, taking himself out of a football game. He took himself out. They claim shoulder injury. Trust me, he sat on that bench for five minutes with not one person walking over to him from the medical staff to see how he was physically. He checked himself out. That's what I have a problem with. Stop being a punk. Stop being a, a, a troublemaker. Stop Stop being so damn selfish. It's a, What he does is selfish. Stop doing those things. I don't care if you want to. You want to talk to somebody and say, I'm going to rip your head off or I'm going to kill you or you're next. That's fine. That's just talk. I'm not a big trash talk guy, as you know. But you know what? On the field, you don't hear it. I don't hear it. Coaches don't hear it. Refs maybe hear it. And they have to deal with it, but none of that stuff matters. What matters is doing stupid things like trying to trying to take. He tried to take Antonio Brown's head off. Guess what? He hurt his own guy in the process. Right? It's just dumb. That stuff to me is just dumb and selfish. And honestly, I I don't think as we record this podcast, I don't think he gets suspended. I do think he gets fined. But if I'm the Bengals, I go. If I'm Marvin Lewis, although the cat's out of the bag now because he's been an enabler of this guy forever since he's come into the league. If I'm him, I say, listen, man, the fact you check yourself out of a game, the fact you keep doing this, you do, I'm telling you, you got one more, and I mean literally one more, and I'm done with you. I am done with you. It's not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we know that's not going to happen coming from Marvin, but I'm to the point as a fan, I'm done with him. As talented as he is, as good as he is, it's just week after week, it's nonsense. Plus, it's impossible to root for the guy when he is intentionally out there trying to hurt people. Now, I don't have a problem with him calling dudes out yeah. saying, you're next, yeah. especially when it's Juju Smith-Schuster who knocked him out Correct. and stood over him. Correct. That's completely within the... Football is a blood sport. It Let's is, be no, no doubt. I mean, we are watching guys give themselves but brain damage. there is a line, though. Now, I like to think most of these guys don't want to hurt each other and that they do see it as a competitive sport and then at the end of the day, they all want to go home healthy and feed their families sure. and play with their kids. However... I also recognize that 
It is a blood sport where you are literally just killing each other all game. I'm totally fine with trash talking, and I understand the trash talking. Now, I do think there is, like, I think the Steelers can be mad about the hit he put on Antonio Brown. I do think that was 100% him taking a kill shot on the receiver. No question. And he's proven himself time and time again that he is going to step across that line and do dirty things. So anytime he does something like this, you, he'll never get the benefit the, the, of that. The thing is, Nor if, should he. if he does all this stuff and and it's a, an occasional 15-yard penalty um, uh, and not a suspension and not a suspension for peds and all those things, if it's an occasional across the line where you commit a personal foul and, okay, yeah, it hurts you in the moment but doesn't hurt you in the long run, you live with that if he's still really good. Guess what? He's not any longer. He's not really good. He hasn't been really good in two years. I mean, the last... He had an impactful game against a bad Eagles team in 2016. Right? I think he had two picks, 15 tackles. He was all over the field, okay? It was a bad Philadelphia team. The last meaningful game I can remember that he had an impact in was the playoff game against Pittsburgh, the loss, where he had a sack, he had a bunch of tackles, had that interception that in theory clinched it, um, and then ends up doing something stupid at the, the end game. of the game to cost the game being selfish. The thing is, it's all selfish. This isn't helping the team. Him hitting people and going after people isn't helping the team. It is him getting his own jollies, and, and it's costing. And anymore, it, he's not good enough to get away with that. And, and unfortunately, he's been enabled to do that. He continues to be enabled to do that. Marvin Lewis on Monday even said, you know, I'm tired of people talking about 55. If it's, if it's, if it's not him, you know, it, it's, it's always him. No, it is him, sir. Why don't you do something about it as a coach? Why don't you stand up to it for a change? Instead, you've enabled it, and now the cat's out of the bag, and you can't do anything about it. Couldn't agree more on that. Last topic on this game before we move on. It did really well on Local12.com across the entire website. Do the Bengals have a legit gripe on the Steelers' game-winning touchdown pass from Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown? Obviously, it clearly looks like it's not even really a screenplay or a pick play as as they've become known where you're kind of crossing routes Correct. and trying to run interference. It's just flat out a receiver blocking from the onset of the play. Is there a legit gripe here for the Bengals? There is a legit gripe. There's also a legit thing that the Bengals didn't play that play correctly, which is why the NFL ruled the way. Look, the, the problem to me is this. You had the VP of officiating come out and say that he thought the defender made contact first. I don't believe that, but okay, that that was in his, his interpretation. The, the, the defender made contact first, just like I'm chucking a receiver, and you have a right as a receiver, for those that don't, you have a right to run your route. So you can just... You can keep running straight. If a guy chucks you, it doesn't mean I have to take a step left or a step right. I can try to run through him to go run my route. That's what his interpretation. The weird part was, though, another official, Terry McCauley, who's now retired, he does the rules. He's the rules expert for, for NBC on Sunday Night Football. He comes on later that night and says, no, it, it, the, the, receiver, uh, the receiver's the one that was blocking beyond the two-yard limit. Uh, the defender did not initiate contact, so therefore it should have been offensive pass interference. So you literally have a former official and the current VP of officiating who differ. There's the NFL in a nutshell today. They don't. We don't know what is a rule, what, what is the correct call on a lot of this stuff, because it's still very subjective. The subjectivity of it is, is the thing. Problem is, Tony McRae messed up the play. He, 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 he's the one that was supposed to slide down with Antonio Brown and take him, keep him from running a slant. Instead, he stays on the receiver in front of him, who then takes a step forward, is able to, to, to pick him or block him, and, and hence the touchdown. Uh, yes, the Bengals do have a legitimate gripe, at the same time, the kid messed the play up, and and it is such a subjective call that there, this is a it's, it's a complete gray area. There's no right or wrong to it. And at the end of the day, the only right or wrong is kid kid at the cornerback screwed up the play. I think when you get down to like the letter of the rule, after watching all those explanations and right. stuff from all the officials, I think it's 100 percent the wrong call. Like I, I don't think there's any really debating that when you finally get down to the actual rule and read all the things like the one yard rule for the receivers, but then also the exception to that rule. I mean, there but there are three little subheadings underneath the rule that you Third, had to correct, read correct. to get everything that it comes to that. Refs trying to figure that out on the fly, on the fly, on a bang bang play, and and granted, yeah, you can talk about it after the touchdown or whatever, but you can't call a penalty then correct. after the fact. That's correct. So it's like, I mean, you're having to notice that right as it's happening, and remember all three little subheadings of the rule that factor into that. There's just too many rules and too many yes. things for these officials to remember. Th that is correct, and that's one of the things that has turned me off about the NFL over the last few years. It just feels like everything's decided by a call, a defensive pass interference that's very subjective that could be called on almost every I mean, there, big there play. Were, there were two or three games earlier this year decided by by roughing the passer penalties. Yeah, and, and that were, are the new roughing the the goofy new roughing the passer rule. It shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't. It's it, but it's I don't know how you change it either. I, what I I think you 
you have you have less subject subjective calls or you just let things go you just let 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 the players decide the game if it looks like a penalty call it a penalty it's it's like in basketball if it looks like a walk guess what it's probably a walk right yeah. uh, in this case if it looks like a penalty it probably is a penalty unfortunately there's there is such scrutiny on this today that that officials are supposed to not be able to make mistakes well they do too they make mistakes and it's okay again the person that made the mistake here wasn't the official it was, unfortunately, Tony McRae, a young guy who has not played a lot of snaps, who played the play wrong. He made the defensive call wrong. He's the one that messed that up. If he at least slides to Antonio Brown and Justin Hunter comes to try to pick him then and comes at an angle, then they're going to call a pick. But if, if, if they deem that the receiver's trying to run forward and Tony McRae's in his way, they're going to say, well, he can get off the line and go run his route. Right or wrong, he can do that. And so... I, 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 that didn't cost the Bengals the football game at the end of the day. I know that it was the game-winning touchdown. That did not cost the Bengals. The, 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 what cost the Bengals was the pass play before that, and I could argue maybe the defensive holding penalty. That's the one to me that I think gets overshadowed. I think that was a terrible time to call that penalty in that football game. I'd also like to point out, even if Tony McRae does what he's supposed to do, slides over and gets in front of Antonio Brown, or gets in front of the, the other receiver. Yeah, it was Antonio was, Brown who was going in okay. motion. Yeah. Um, he's not stopping Antonio Brown one-on-one in a zero blitz over well, the middle. Well, the only thing is if you get the call now from the officials because you're lined up well, properly. Or, or, or the one thing you can't allow a guy to do in that circumstance is you can't let him run a slant. Right, that's, the, that's you. the way. You, you, you have to at least force him to go out. And look, look, if Antonio Brown took a step inside and pivoted back out, Tony McRae's not covering him. There's no him, help. That's but, the if, but at that point, Ben has to make a quick adjustment, and maybe at that point, that's where when you come with the zero zero coverage blitz, um, they get to him. That's maybe where he has to go, oh, wait a minute, crap, my first route's away, i got to go back to this one, by then you get to him. That's the only part of it. Yep. Let's uh, move on. A little college football, big topic here locally. Um, Urban Meyer announced Tuesday that Ohio State star defensive lineman Nick Bosa, who is a projected top three pick, could be number one overall in the upcoming NFL draft, is going to focus on rehabbing his core injury and preparing for the draft. He is going to leave school, leave the team. Is, is this a blow to the Buckeyes, and do you have a problem with this at all? I don't think it's a blow because the only thing he was going to miss was the two playoff games if it comes to that, if Ohio State gets to that. He's not going to be back until December. So that part, and yeah, that could be a factor because obviously if they're in the playoffs, you want your best defensive player, arguably the best defensive player in the country to play. But it doesn't bother me because, look, um, A, it's, it, it, there's no guarantee he comes back even in time, A. B, if he does, what kind of football condition and shape is he going to be in? The other part to it is... Um, are you going to play at 100% without thinking of injuring yourself and then hindering yourself again? And the other part, the last part to it is, look, this is a business, man. They're making money off of you in college. I need to go make my own money. And guess what's going to happen next year if I if I stay healthy, if I don't come back and re-injure this, I, 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 I rehab myself up to the combine, I'm 100% for the combine. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get paid. I'm going to get paid. Urban Meyer's not. Ohio State's not. I'm going. It's. I'm looking out for number one. I got no problem with it whatsoever. I know some fans probably do. Oh, how can he do this to state you? No, to hell with that. Look, he he needs to go do what he needs to do for himself. I go go. You go, Nick Bosa. Yeah, and I think even like look, his dad pointed this out, and you're 100 percent right. If he comes back after all that time off, I mean, a guy of his position who uses all that explosiveness and leverage and torquing of his body and everything, the core injury that yes. he has and the strained groins and everything else. Not he's not going to be wanting to test that at 100% in the college football playoffs after just coming back. And that gives you a chance to get hurt even more. So you're costing yourself more money, or you're right. costing yourself draft stock because you're not playing at 100%. But more importantly, something that I think fans forget here is there is going to be a kid who steps up and fills that position for the rest of the year. And if you're now in the position to be in that college football playoff, you just took, you're just going to take that kid back out of the lineup well, and that's after the other, he got you That's there? the other thing. I mean, if, if you're good enough to get to the playoff... Guess what? Then you, you've been probably pretty good without Nick Bosa. And look, I'm not telling you he's if, awesome. If he plays, he's he's, he's ridiculous. I Everyone mean, would he, want him. I'm he, not saying he, that he put up a season's worth of stats in in some categories: tackles for loss, sacks, touchdowns. That that defensive lineman dream of in a career sometimes, let alone what he did in the first couple of three games before he got hurt. Um, so so he is an impactful player. But you've obviously been able to overcome that if you get to the college football playoff, right? So. I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, I, for him, I'm saying, you know what? I'm taking this and I'm 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 going to the NFL. I'm going to root for Ohio State and 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 be done with it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Anybody that does, you are looking at it through the wrong prism, man. I want you to put yourself in in his shoes, where you have a chance to make life changing money 
set yourself up for life as opposed to playing for good old state U. To hell with good old state U. And I don't mean just Ohio State. I'm just talking state U in, in general. Um, they're making money off of your back. You go make money off your own back. No problem with it. And of course, I think people are going to be, for the most part, okay with this. You're going to see a person or two, maybe a fan or two, say some things about, oh, this is selfish and you could you should stick by your teammates. You know, the football guy who says you should be there in the locker room with your brothers or That's whatever. That's fine. You can still be in the locker room with your brothers. And, but the, the thing about this is it's going to play well because... One, let's let's face it, he, he's a white kid. And two, his family has a great relationship with Urban Meyer and yeah. Ohio State, and they praise him as a coach. So, like, clearly they are not doing this because they're not happy with Ohio State no. athletics. But on the flip side of this, when it's basketball, and we see a young black kid decide he's going to leave After because one year, it's best the for one him. Kid, yeah. Oh, he, how oh can he, travesty. Yeah, how, how can he do that? How yeah, can he do that so, to, to, yeah. to the team? No, go, go. Go go make your money. Go make. I'm not a big one and done fan. I th- that's a different topic for a different day. But if the rule is in place for that, and you can go do that, and you can go make money, go yep. go. No problem with it whatsoever. Three former local college players did uh, did start the season in the NBA on two way deals. Gary Clark with the Rockets, J.P. McCure with the Hornets, Trayvon Blewett with the Pelicans. Which of those guys, Rick, do you think gets the most minutes in their NBA? Not this year, but career. This is a tough one, but I'm going to tell you, I think this will shock some people. I think Gary Clark I think it's absolutely is Gary the guy. Clark. One, because of what he's done right now and already just completely impressed the coaches. But I've got, when we saw Gary Clark as a prospect originally, the thing that stood out about him was almost like a Draymond Green ability to rebound, break out, dribble himself, advance, pass it up the floor, and make plays for his teammates. Be that ultimate glue guy who really gave you a lot offensively in a full court transition type game. At UC, that wasn't ever going to be his role. One, correct. because they weren't going to play that, that that's style. That's correct. But two, rightfully so, like he he needed to be more limited early in his career at college basketball. He wasn't going to just be dribbling through guys like he did in high school. So they had to change his style a little bit. But now that he's in the NBA and you've seen his skill set kind of ramp back up, he shot the ball really, really well from the outside in the preseason. That's, that's the thing that shocked me. I, I knew he could shoot it a little bit. I didn't know he could shoot it quite like that. And I don't know that he'll shoot it like that for his career, but I don't, if he shoots it well enough. You got, James, you got looks, James Harden coming downhill and you're standing there open in the corner? He's going to get wide open looks. You make some of those shots, you start showing that rebounding. and pl- we, we know he's going to rebound. Yes. You start showing some playmaking ability in the open court after you pull down those rebounds with your ability to push and pass. I think, and plus he can really defend. I think he fills a role. A different skill set, but he reminds me of, of Tayshawn Prince. When he came out of Kentucky, he was at the end of the Detroit Pistons bench, and I thought, well, good for you. You're going to make a roster. You're going to be there for a while. Showed showed skill in college. He was an SEC Player of the Year, and he scored 42 in an NCAA tournament game. But it was one of those guys you weren't quite sure, maybe too thin, all those things. Again, different body types, but perfect end of the bench guy at the time. Going to shut his mouth, be a good teammate, do what the coaches ask. All the Gary Clark already has that stuff going for him. And then Tayshaun Prince all of a sudden blossomed into the, a defensive stopper. And then he became a pretty good offensive player in the NBA. And voila, you look up, guy's got a 12-year NBA career where it was pretty good. I think that's Gary Clark in a nutshell. I think Gary Clark evolves eventually into the bench guy now. Maybe he doesn't dress some nights. Maybe he's up and down. I don't think he will. I think he sticks. I really. I know he's on a two-way deal. I think he sticks the whole time around. I think you're going to look up in three or four years and you're going to go, huh, Gary Clark's a starter in the NBA. How about that? I think that's 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 a very likely possibility. I, I don't know that he ever starts. And maybe he I will. Um, but I think when you're taken in the spot that those guys are taken, you're in that two-way contract. You're an undrafted you know, free agent or you're a late second-round guy. NBA teams, they already have good players. Correct. They're not looking for stars. They're looking for a guy who fills a role. And we've seen that you know, he's not in the same class that we didn't mention, but Edmund Sumner now kind of getting right. his real rookie year yep. this season is seeing that same thing. He's He played really well in the preseason for the Pacers, but I got a chance to talk to him the other day when he was at the Cintas Center dropping off his jersey for them to hang up, and he's talking about, well, yeah, they're playing me at the two and the three. Well, he's a guy who only wanted to play the one. Right. He was only going to play the one right. when he got to the league, right? Well, they're playing me at the two and three, and they really just need a guy to come in and defend for two or three minutes at the end of quarters, so that's what I'm trying to be. If you told him that two or three years ago he's when he's in college, no. right. He would have been disgusted with you. And so many of these guys, as their prospects, they're saying, oh, I'm not going there because I need to be a point guard. And they, you know, go to the best situation for you and do what the coach asks you to do. Keep cashing checks as long as you can cash checks and do what you need to do to cash those checks. Because you are never going to complain about your role in the NBA because you're in the NBA. Correct. And you're cashing those checks. 100%. And Gary Clark just fits a role, man. That's why I think he'll stick. Are you surprised JP got a two-way deal? 
I am a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised he got a two-way deal. I'm surprised he's on the opening night roster yeah, yeah, and seems okay, like he has yeah. a chance to maybe yeah. be a part I, I of their too. organization right now. What, what do you think he did to, 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 to show that? He was himself. I mean, okay. he's just ultra-toughness. I mean, again, the game expands. It gets a little more free-flowing in the NBA because it's a little more one-on-one. -on -one. It's not a, There's not as many guys clogging the lane. Right. And I think his playmaking ability is ramped up a little bit in the NBA. Also, oddly enough, they seem to think he's helping them on defense, which... I, I don't know how to explain that one. I I never saw that. In I four thought he was years really good playing the point in the one three one zone. I thought he was really good at that, at Xavier. I, I don't know. I mean, I, he plays. Do hard. they play a lot of one three one in the NBA? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Last okay. I okay. All right. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. All right. So college football games for this weekend. Um, UC with a big one at Temple, undefeated yet somehow they're ranked undefeated, three and a half point dog. Who you got? I like Cincinnati in the game, but I agree with, I mean, Fickle's obviously going to say this, but I do agree with him. It's not a surprise they're the underdog when you have a team as young as they are. You're going on the road. It's somewhat of a test against Temple. Temple. Tem the funny thing is, if you'd, if you'd asked me this five weeks ago when Temple lost, or six weeks ago when they lost to Villanova, I'd have laughed in your face and gone, huh, UC's going to kill them. Temple's gotten a lot better since then. A lot better. And I still wouldn't be surprised if UC wins this game by three touchdowns. But it is, with it, such a young team, and you're, you're facing a somewhat legitimate test on the road, I get why they're an underdog. Yeah, you can argue that UCLA was a test, and yet, yet you look back and you realize UCLA wasn't very good. It's a test because, again, it's a young football team, opener, didn't know who your quarterback really was. You threw Hayden Moore out there to begin with, and he doesn't last very long before you put Des Ritter in, um, and, and you end up winning in the Rose Bowl. That's a that's a, that's a a really still a cool win. Heck when yeah. you start to look back at it as the season progresses, you go, you know what, UCLA wasn't very good. It was a good win. Not going to dismiss the win. It, it got you off to the yeah. undefeated start that you're still on. But this is really... This is a bigger test because Temple's playing better, off the bye, young team. Suddenly, you come out of the bye, you didn't even, oh, crap, ranked? Oh, no, you got a little target now. You're playing with a target. You weren't playing with a target in the Rose Bowl. You weren't playing with a target against Ohio U at home. You weren't, you're playing a little bit more of a target target with Tulane at home, but it's Tulane at home. This is a lot more on the line for UC. I, I think, for me, I think I'd take the three and a half points because it is an undefeated team and it could be a field goal game. But Temple winning would not surprise me. Yeah, I'll be honest, though. I'd be hammering Cincinnati in the three and a half if, if I'm a betting guy. You're not, though. I'm not, of course. But yeah, yeah, but you would hammer them. Uh, Kentucky, uh, they're coming off a bye. At home, 11 and a half point favorites over Vandy. Um, it's a tough one for me because they suddenly get a little help, even though in a way it didn't matter with Georgia losing, but it does matter with Georgia losing because they still, in theory, would control their own destiny playing Georgia in a couple weeks. That game looms in a couple weeks. Missouri on the road next week. A couple of bigger games coming up, those two games. Here comes lowly Vandy. Did scare Florida for a half. Kentucky has not been dynamic offensively. In fact, you can argue they've regressed offensively. Um, I think I take the points with a Kentucky 7-10 to 10 point victory somewhere in there. I do think they win, but I think they win what they've been winning by a little bit lately, which is ugly. I'm with you. I, th I think Kentucky wins the game, but uh, especially with it being at home. But I do not think that they cover the 11 and a half. And I'd also like that under because like you said, I yeah, do not the over under on it's 48 uh, in, in that game. And I love the under. Yeah. And I, I do not like what I've seen from Kentucky's offense recently. I, the I'm defense has been great. It's been outstanding. I mean, it, I would put it right now as the second best defensive unit in the entire Southeastern Conference behind only Alabama. And I don't say that lightly. I really believe that. I think they've shown it. They dominated Mississippi State. Didn't just beat them. Dominated. Dominated South Carolina. Not a dynamic offense, but dominated. Texas A&M, the defense kept them in that game the whole entire night on the road against an offense that torched Clemson for 500-plus yards. Put up points and yards on Alabama. In fact, I think Kentucky held A&M to the fewest points and fewest yards all year, and that includes Clemson and Alabama. It is a legit defense. They just they got a lot to iron out on offense, and I'm just not completely sold that, that that's enough to cover a number like this. I'm with you. Ohio State, 7.30 p.m. They're 12-point favorites at Purdue. Over-under on that game, 65 and a half. Yeah, it's a lot of people. There's a lot of hand wringing off last weekend's win over Minnesota, thirty to fourteen. That, I that, don't see it. That oh man, what, what's going on here? They got to sweat Minnesota. You're not going to play great every week. You're just not. I wish you could. I wish you could bottle a team up and go. That's the team you get every single week in the NFL or college football or whatever sport you root for. You just go. Uh, that that's my team. It just doesn't happen that way. They had a lull. They didn't play great. They still put 30 points. It's funny. They put 30 points on the board, and it feels like they scored seven, right? right? Yeah. Because you're used to them scoring 50. I think they wake back up this week. I think they 
boat race Purdue. I I could see them hanging a 50 spot on Purdue. I'll go 50 to 21. I think they cover the 12 easily, and I think the number goes over the 65 and a half. Couldn't agree more with you. I hammer the 12 points uh, Ohio State. I definitely go over the 65 and a half. My favorite part about Ohio State is they can't run the ball, so they have to get in shootouts. Correct. They just start sling. I mean, basically, when they realize, you know, midway through the second quarter, whatever it is, that they're not going to run the ball once again just, this week. Let's just fire it down the you field. You let Haskins go, right. and he tears it up and picks apart the other team, starts launching but it it's down funny. the field and it making feels, plays. And it feels like 30 points. To, to, whoa, whoa. What's wrong with the offense? 30 points is still... I know college football is different, and, and a lot of offenses are measured on 40 points, if you will. 30 is still a pretty good number. But You're going to win a lot of games scoring 30 points in college football, right? But let's be honest. If you use the same play calling that you used to get the 30 points later in the game to start yes, the game, correct. you're probably at 60 correct. because they can control that destiny, but yes. they still... Urban Meyer is always going to commit to the run first. Yes, and that's fine. each week when he figures out they still can't run the football, then he'll let his unbelievably talented quarterback make plays and win the game and Purdue has not been great defensively so there's that too no <laughs> that is that is true so I, I'm with you on that one I think Ohio State the points and the over is the play there all right skinny it is uh time to go for some national trending stories yes a little more rapid fire here all this right. round but we're going to make the trip around to uh some some national topics of interest starting with the NBA season kicked off kicked off tipped off tipped off yeah on tuesday night with a pair of showcase games there's a full slate tonight we're recording this on wednesday morning what is the most interesting storyline heading into this nba season for you it's not even debatable it's what the lakers do it's what Lake, the lakers and lebron do to me i mean that to me it's still a given that golden state's going to get to the to the final i it's it, it, that's a that's a given the east you can pick five teams out of a hat and see who you get it's still the lakers and lebron i know people are going to hate it and we're going to get hammered over the head with it for the next Six months as it plays itself out, and whoever else they get, maybe by the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, we're going to get just you're going to get nauseated by hearing LeBron and the Lakers. It's still the most interesting one to me. I am of the belief that LeBron and anyone in the NBA right now can win 50 games and right, make, the, make the top four seed in the playoffs. Mm, they're, they're over under 48 and a half. I still would take the under. I'd go over. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief wow. that LeBron and anyone can win 50 games. You know but, what? I'm gonna, you and I are going to wager a, a nice 12-pack on that by the end of the year. I, I'm taking the under. You're going the over, right? Yeah, I'm fine okay. with that. Um, and I think a lot of LeBron. I'm not a LeBron hater. I, I, trust me. I think he's, he's great. I just don't think they're good enough around him. For the record, I think it's a perfect over-under because I think they'll be right at 50. I think they will. I, like, it's I think they'll be, be right, right at that at number. 50. That, that, that's so, um, that being said... I don't think this team is actually like legitimately in a position to be a challenger. I think that's why he signed the four-year deal. I'm not really interested in what the Lakers do this season, to be honest with you. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm watching them. I love watching right. LeBron. I want to see the young guys develop. I want to see how he plays with Lonzo. I'm much more interested in the race in the East. Because I have no... I have no. I mean, the Celtics looked great last night without some of their stars playing well. But I mean, there are legitimate. But they also got a star back, right? I mean, they got a star back. Gordon Hayward's back. So they got they got a star back. Well, I mean, yeah, he he didn't play very well last night, and you know, Kyrie obviously. But this is there is still, yeah, Kyrie at seven, right? Yeah, yeah, he didn't do anything. There are four teams probably that you can make a legitimate case to me that could win the Eastern Conference yeah, that, this year. And I would say that that is there, there is some fun to that, right? I. The, the thing for me in the NBA the last couple of years, I've not enjoyed it very much because I've known where it's going by the end of the year. I just I, and Now, by the end of the year, when you get to that series, okay, that's fun. That part's fun. Maybe the, the Western Finals is, is occasionally fun because Golden State lays an egg for a game and you go, oh, they got a chance. Nah, they don't. They're, they're not losing. That, that, that makes it not fun to me. I think you're right about that in the East. The East could be more fun just because... There, there's a, there's, there's going to be competition. The playoff series are going to be interesting. I mean, there's three or four teams that you can make an argument right now. You could say they have a path. They could, they could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and none of those probably include the team with the favorite for the MVP, with this Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. So I, I'm really interested to see what happens in the East. I think this without LeBron being there, and with all those teams, you know, they were so bad for so long. A few of them are on the rise now. I'm really interested to see who takes hold over the next two years in the East and starts right now. You just wait till Jimmy Butler comes around, stays in Minnesota, and it's a Minnesota-Milwaukee NBA final. <laughs> Won't the league love that? I can't wait. <laughs> Skinny Zion Williamson has been dragged into the college basketball scandal trial after a transcript of a taped conversation was read in court between Kansas assistant Curtis Townsend and Adidas's Merle Code. In the conversation, Code told Townsend that Williamson's family was looking for employment opportunities, money, and housing. Townsend said he ne needed to figure out a way to make it happen to get Zion there for 10 months, he said. What is the most interesting part 
about this entire trial right now. I mean, that's the that's the, the biggest piece of nugget that came out recently. That but. the curtain's getting pulled back a little bit. Stuff that we've all known, right? I think that's the part to me that's interesting. That now now the now instead of the public going, oh, they're not my team's not doing. Yeah, they are. They're all you're all doing it, man. You're all doing it. Now that the 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 veil's being pulled back. Now you're seeing. Just how dirty we've all really believed this has been all along. That's the part to me that's the most interesting. That the curtains pull back and things that most of us have always known, now the public sees. Now, whether the public cares or not, I don't know. They probably don't. They're still going to want to get there however you get your guys. And whatever my team can do to win, I'm good with that. But to me, that's the most interesting part is, is stuff that, that you've known all along. You go, see, told you, told you. So honest to God, last weekend I'm at Longnecks, and uh, or this is two weekends ago. I'm at Longnecks, and I sit down and uh, I get introduced to this guy, and they're like, "Oh, he's a Louisville fan. You know, Rick used to cover uh, Chris Mack for the last nine years at Xavier." So it, we we start talking a little bit about college basketball, and he didn't want to ask me about Chris Mack. Didn't want to ask me about what he was about to expect for his Louisville team. Didn't want to talk about how Louisville was going to be this year, how they might be going forward under Chris Mack. He wanted me to admit that John Calipari one cheats, and two, he's not a good coach. I mean, the self, the lack of self-awareness oh, of fans is so un, like what? It, what do you care? Your team has been revealed as the dirtiest college oh. basketball program in the entire history of sports. Yes, like you make the Pony Express look like choir boys at this point. Yes, they think what you did is egregious. No, the, the the point is, it's it's what I I want to make sure I know my team cheats. I want to make sure that you know your team cheats. That's yeah. what that's what it comes down to. I like like I'm not a UK fan, and he understands this. Like none of the he, this matters. He just wanted me to admit because I had I, not that I have any insight to what's going on at UK, but because I associated with some college basketball, right, correct? That I would admit that UK cheats. And John Calipari is a bad coach. How did you answer the, both of those questions? Well, I started with... Every, did you go yes and yes? I started with everyone cheats. Let's start there. Um, and second of all, John Calipari is one of the best five basketball coaches in college basketball. I would so. beg to differ with that, but okay. All right. Well, he, he begged to differ too, and we got into a long discussion about it, which he didn't like too much, but... Then he realized he didn't have a clue what the hell he was talking exactly. about, then so he, it didn't they, work out then, so well. Then he took his PVR and walked to the other end of the bar. <laughs> that guy down there is a jerk. The uh, Dodgers beat the Brewers 2-1 to one on a walk-off RBI single by Cody Bellinger in the 13th inning to tie the series 2-2. Two to two. That was Tuesday night. The Red Sox took a 2-1 lead over the Astros with an 8-2 win in Houston on Tuesday night. Do you care at all right now about the Major League Baseball playoffs? This is so sad. This is so sad. You're a baseball guy. You've no. been a baseball guy in your past. Yes. Yeah. I don't care. I, I. You know how much of the playoffs I've watched? I mean this sincerely. I think I've watched... Three innings total combined. Now, some of it is work-related. I cover an NFL team on a regular basis, so my work takes me away on weekends, and Sundays are a blur, and Mondays are a blur, and so I don't have the, the, the same, I guess, opportunities others to maybe watch. But Sunday night, Sunday night I got done with my work at halftime of the, of the New England-Kansas City game. Guess what I watched the rest of the night? I watched the New England-Kansas City game. Didn't flip one single time to the base. I couldn't have even told you. In fact, I think somebody said, I said, something came up about ESPN and, and I said, I said, yeah, the game was on what, TBS or TNT? They said, no, no, that's what I said. The game was on ESPN. I said, oh, didn't even know that. Didn't even know. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe I don't know where to find it. I haven't heard, I haven't seen anyone that I follow locally like tweeting about it. I haven't talked to any, any of the sports guys and we always you right. know, BS about different stuff and things. We've talked about college football, NBA basketball, college basketball. I think even a little. Uh, I think we've even talked a, a little UFC recently. Which is sad to me, but yes, <laughs> we have not spoken about baseball once. I, I just don't. You care. like baseball? I, You're a baseball. You. I, that was the only sport I played all the way through. And I, why? So why is that? Uh, to me, I do think the Reds being so bad and so hopeless has something to do with it. Like that, just the fact that I haven't even gotten into it. Because baseball is best followed by watching your team for 162 games over yeah, the course of a season and enjoying you your team. But that's, you know, the I think the Brewers are fun. I think the Dodgers are fun. I think the Astros are fun. I think the Red Sox are fun. That's and what, yet, I don't watch. These playoffs seem like they've been fun from the see, headlines I, I, I've read. I, I, when I see the score flash at the bottom, they seem like that was it looked like a fun game. It seems like the Machado dude is kicking everyone and causing all types of I, I'll drama. ask you this. This will be the old guy in me. Do you think the fact that it's become really a three-result sport, walk strikeout home run has that done anything to 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 make it become boring 
I don't even it know. Feels, I, see, I, I, I don't think that's know, a cop out. I, I know because I, I, I don't think you. that's the case. I think we're seeing all types of. I mean, we saw an RBI single in the right field to score right. a manufactured run last night in the thirteenth inning for a walk off in a close is, game. Is the so NFL I, and college football that much of a behemoth that it just drowns it out? I think the NBA is hurting it a lot. I think the NBA has become such a year round sport. And such a, it's so just so. I'll be honest, I didn't watch one single minute of NBA preseason. I did watch the games last night, on opening night, the two Tuesday night games. I watched bits and pieces of of those. So it didn't drown me out in the preseason. So. Again, I, I, I'm different because of my work schedule and what I do for a living. I'm, I'm not a typical fan in that regard. I just think that to, people are really passionate about their football teams and their basketball teams and then following all the storylines. The, the NFL and the NBA has done a great job of creating all this drama and all these yeah. social media storylines yeah. that keep the conversation going constantly. And, the ba- and baseball has no stars. I mean, we don't care about what... Bryce Harper's doing. We don't care about what Mike Trout's doing. We don't care. I mean, we do not care about any of the young stars in baseball and what they do off the field well, or anything like I, that. The other part I'll ask you, and I, and I mean this sincerely, um, gambling and fantasy sports are a huge, huge reason people watch. But fantasy baseball got it but all started. I, you know what? It, it did, and I played fantasy baseball for probably 15 years. I probably haven't played in 10 years. And and It's may, too hard. And maybe it, it's I, too much to keep up it, with, too that, many different stats. Gambling on it's very difficult. I know people who gamble that can't read, don't understand what the money line even means. Well, I mean, it's not I'm, fun to gamble on either. Yes, correct. And I think, I think those things, I really believe that. I, you know, you can bet on NBA games. You can you can sit there at the end of an NBA game with a game with a spread of nine and a half going, God, please don't bang that late three. Please, please, please. Oh, please make those two free throws. God, I need you to make those two free throws. Oh, the over-under. Oh my gosh, he missed the three at the buzzer and I fell by, you know, the, the Scott Van Pelt bad beat. I fell by two points. Same thing in football. I, I think there's a factor there too. I really believe no, that. No, I think that's a good point. That, that might be the best point there that we just made. All right, Skinny, uh, the 21-year-old Patriots fan who threw a beer in Kansas City Chiefs wideout Tyreek Hill's face on Sunday night has been banned from Gillette Stadium, which Good. I'm always curious, how do they do that? How do you ban someone from your stadium? Like, I'm, What's I'm, the process I'm, 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 there? I'm, I don't know that part, but I'm going to tell you a story here in a second. Okay. Um, and he will be charged by law enforcement with disorderly conduct and throwing an object at a sporting event. Really, this is only on here to one. I mean, people are trying to say, well, it's not that bad because Tyreek Hill's a POS and he's a bad guy and he punched a girl back in high school or college, but that has nothing to do with this situation. He got a beer thrown on him because he scored a touchdown. We have a major issue, and I think it does to a certain extent stem from like the social media age of like you're faceless, you're sort of anonymous. Fans feel like they can yell whatever they want on social media at you, and they can do because they're you're a zoo animal in a cage. I'm behind a cage right now when I'm paying for this seat, and I can do whatever I want. And you can't because I will sue you if you do. Correct. And it'll become malice in the palace all over again. Fans know that, and there is a major problem, especially in the NFL. But I think, I mean, we just saw it with the UFC, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in a second. It is a problem that, and I don't know how to address well, it. Well, you saw it with the, the Yankees and the and the Ace fan, where the Yankees fan threw the beer on the Ace fan in Yankee Stadium. Now, they, to their credit, they kissed and made up, and it seems like the guy was really remorseful, and he's actually become friends with the guy he threw the beer on. Um, that that's silly to me too. I mean, you know what? I'm from I'm from someplace. You're from someplace. The someplace I'm from, I'm probably going to root for my team. The someplace you're from, you're going to root for your team. And guess what? It's not that big of a deal. You know what? That's what makes fans. If, if everybody roots for the same team, it's not fun, right? It's not fun. In this case. You're absolutely right. I, you, you shouldn't be empowered to do anything. You know what? The, the fact that you would come to the to the point of throwing a beer on a player, a you're probably skunked out of your mind. I I, I, that's, I get that, that, that I but get that's that not an of, excuse. It's not an excuse. It, it's it, I think your point is exactly right. The fact that I can yell anything I want on social media, and yeah, can somebody come back at you and say something? Sure. Can the player come back and say, but look, it's a, it's a war over the internet. Nobody's ever going to win that war. In this case, I think, you know what? I can do it to you right here, right now, because you're not going to be able to do anything back to me. Bam. Well, you know what? I'd like to see a player at some point Come back and, and throw a punch at you. But the problem is they can't. I know they, they have can. no recourse, and everyone I, knows. I, but that. I think this is the best recourse. Is you know what you took maybe this guy. What this guy loves to do as much as anything, and you banned him from that stadium. How do you keep him out? Well, one? I would tell you this: the, the security people are so you have the slickness of what they can do. I, I, I heard this the other day at Paul Brown Stadium. They have cameras that can literally zoom on a license plate twenty miles away. I mean, wow. it's insane what they can do. It's insane the things that they can do that I don't even know, that they're not going to let you know what they can do. That part to me, I went, what? The guy said, yeah, there was a fire on 15th Street in Covington that they zoomed in on the other day that I watched. I'm like, 
whoa, holy cow, from Paul Brown. He goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, and it was like crystal clear, tight as, tight as, tight as the shot can be. Tell you what, if they, there's, I guarantee you, they can they can do some level of facial rec- recognition that would probably. I mean, it may be you walk into a stadium and, and the facial recognition maybe maybe blinks and they've got it in the system and it goes that guy gone. That's pretty awesome if they are doing that. That's like uh, now maybe I'm maybe I'm overstepping and maybe they just they say you're banned and I can sneak back incognito with a porn mustache and in different hair. Maybe I I, I think they'll I think they'd get you. Still, I don't think that's. That's enough, and I don't think the diversion that this dude's going to get from the police is enough because no. I'm guessing he's not going to get any type of real punishment. I mean, which you, I hope he would. I, I don't know how. What st- could you charge him with assault? I don't know how. There's that no works. deadly weapon. It's beer, but could you charge him with assault? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not assault with a deadly weapon. Correct. It's just assault. Correct. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know the law well enough to know how that works. I, I just I'm, think you punish these people as much as to whatever the fullest extent of the law would be in this case. You punish that person to that fullest extent. I'm much more worried about the fans doing things to the athletes than I am the fans going back and forth with each other because the the atmosphere know, at, yeah. NFL games is toxic. It's very. But, but those idiots can beat each other up. I don't care. I just don't go. Like, that doesn't bother me right. as much. Yeah, that's fair. But I do have a problem with them coming after the athletes because the athletes can't do anything. If you yell at me, I will knock your ass out. Right. Like, but Tyreek Hill can't do that. Yeah, no, I, so I totally understand it. I just, it, it, it drives me crazy seeing it. It drove me crazy when I watched it happen, and then we got the fallout this whole week talking about it. And it's just like, I, I don't know how they fix that because, yeah, okay, increased security or whatever, but like, to a certain point, how much can you really do? Well, it, it, you can't have security everywhere. Look, in, in the other part, I, I just don't. I get why you don't like an opposing player. I get that on okay, but you know, you're, you're so intimate in NBA games. There was a guy who was that one. There was a Washington Wizards back when they were the Bullets fan. I, he was actually famous for heckling opposing players, and some of it, I guess, was funny, but some of it occasionally crossed the line. I, that's more of a look at me. You know, you want the fans to look at me. Look what I can do to this guy. You know what? I, I think even if a guy starts to do that and 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 securities around and ushers around, you say, sir, just sit down and and, and stop. And you don't. Okay, I'm going to take your ticket away. You, you know, it's a privilege. I know you bought this ticket, but it's still a privilege. It's not your right with this ticket to do anything you want to do. I'd like to see even more of that. Yeah, like how about just going to the game and, and enjoying the, the game, and then the ticket entitles you to act. Reasonably, like Correct. a normal human being with good behavior, and cheer for your team a little bit. Yeah, maybe have a drink or two. I don't know why that seems hard. Like, just you don't have to act like an idiot all the time just because you're at a sporting event. I think fans think they can and do. Well, I think they think they're required to, <laughs> and I don't that. understand that. Maybe there's that. All right, fearing for Conor McGregor's life, a fellow Irishman leaped into the octagon to save the beaten fighter on October 6th at UFC 229. Obviously, the story, actually what happened is a little bit old. There was the whole brawl, and that was a big thing, but it just came out this week now. Daniel Cormier was talking about this crazy story with some random dude who was in a nice suit jacket, jumped over him, and raced into the ring to protect Conor, was just hanging out with Conor, asking if he was okay. Then he asked his wife about it, what happened to that guy, and his wife said, Oh no, he's fine. He checked with Connor and came back and sat down. Like just so he has this whole crazy story. Hey, I think Connor McGregor can take care of himself, right? You would think. Okay. You would think. But that's why I love this guy. Um th- then the guy comes out. They found him on LinkedIn. He had posted a little uh, video of himself saying when the doors open, you sometimes you got to run through it or something. I don't know, but he he got interviewed and skinny some of these t- quotes um he says I wouldn't say adrenaline took over, 41-year-old David Martin said in an exclusive interview with USA Today's For the Win. I'd say patriotism took over first. I thought Russia was attacking Ireland. I thought a bunch of Russians were jumping in, and this guy McGregor was tired and beaten down from the fight and was being attacked by what I thought were a bunch of Russian fans. I needed to step in. I was thinking my country was calling for me right now, and I'm going in. You talk about crazy fans. You just talk about crazy fans. This 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 is crazy fan. I mean, UFC people are, are all a whole nother breed. The and testosterone and adrenaline level, man, it is off the charts. Maybe one of my favorite tweets that I've seen recently was a, a journalist who said, oh, the people paying big money for these UFC ringside seats are going to think twice after an incident like that. I said, I don't think you understand the psyche of the people who attend UFC events. I think they think at ringside, I'm going to come in and beat some ass myself. They're wanting that. Yes. That is exa- people who go to UFC fights and love that sport, they wear tap out gear in public. Like, they want to be known as UFC guy. They're waiting for fights to pop off. How much do you think of Dana White's comments after that, the the, the brawl after that McGregor, uh, McGregor fight? How much do you think that was scripted? All of it. All I, of I think the whole thing is, is a total put-on. I think UFC is for dudes who grew up and were too stupid to realize that WWE was fake. They couldn't accept it. They were like, no, seriously, that's fake? 
My whole life's a lie. Now I need something that's no. real. So they go to UFC, which is just real WWE. It's exactly what it is. It's, and, and, and guess what? It started to fade a little bit. It, look, it was it was kind of hot and cool for for a while, and people were buying. It. I, I know people bought the McGregor fight. A lot of people bought the McGregor fight. Um, it was really cool for a while. Ronda Rousey kind of amped it up a little bit because she's fairly attractive and beating ass, and it was just kind of fun to watch. And then, like a lot of sports, it takes a little bit of a dip. So, what do you do to get get it back? Hell, WWE for a period of time when I grew up was huge, and then it kind of faded away, and then it got huge again because they figured out how are we going to script all these things to make it right. That's exactly what UFC's doing. Going, all right, what can we do to make this rematch even hotter, even more intense? Hey, let's do something after the fight. Let's let's, and then I'll come out and I'll be I'll ride in on my white horse and say, oh, this is terrible. This is awful. This is bad. No, it's not. You know, it's not. No one knows it. it any publicity is good publicity, bro. I'm talking about it. And I don't even care about your sport, and I'm talking about it. That, that, and that is the exact key. This is the best possible thing for the UFC. They need storylines. They need villains. They need personalities. Right. They need superstars. They've built Conor McGregor up to be that. They've manufactured him. He's Correct. the most overrated athlete in any sport I've so, ever so seen. So here comes the Russian villain. 100%. I mean, Takes him out. I mean, it's literally Rocky. And then, so you've got this whole thing, which is totally forced, totally scripted. And I put out a tweet the other day that I was laughing about the way the guys, you just have Russian civilians jumping the fence, coming in and attacking McGregor, which by the way, he had gotten back into the fray and started fighting oh, first, no which doubt. I don't think people realized. Yeah. And I tweeted that I, I laughed about that. And people, there were UFC guy was all over me, calling me a POS, telling me you that are. you are, they're like, I don't think you would like someone attacking you from behind. It's like, no, sir, that's why I'm not in the UFC this year. Like, I, I decided to stay out of it. I mean, if you get into the UFC and you get into this you nonsense, you know what you, you're in for. You are literally there to be doing that. Yes, and you're going to try to get as big a paycheck as you can. And guess what gets a big paycheck? A rematch of epic proportions, correct? Yes. I'm a little uncomfortable with watching UFC personally I am because too. of the blood sport yes. aspect of it. It's the weird gladiator thing. We're just really watching guys try to kill them, kill each other. And at some point, someone will die. No, doing I, it honestly, 100%. there was a, if you saw one of the still shots from that fight, it looks like Conor McGregor's about to get choked to death. To death. And I mean, basically, that's what you're trying to do is get yes. them right to that point before where they, they die, where submit. they yeah, I've had enough. Fight yeah, anymore. I'm, I'm tapped out. But I admit, like, there is an entertaining aspect to this. And I watch it as pure entertainment, as like a WWE type scenario. So, yes, I'm going to laugh when there are people jumping back into the octagon, which Dana White forced upon us. And there and Conor McGregor gets hit by some random civilian out of the stands. That is funny to me. I'm sorry. Fighting for country, baby. Fighting for country. This guy, though, who's just in a suit jacket, works in like Silicon Valley, is like a big investor or something. Hold on. First of all, he's like rubbing Daniel Cormier's shoulders, telling him to relax during the, the brawl, and then just racing into the ring to make sure McGregor was okay. For Ireland! <laughs> Fortunately, he said McGregor had it taken care of. He was okay. I by figured the he probably did. Yeah. All right. All right, Rick, uh, we'll put a wrap on this one for, for uh, this week. Uh, we will get into some more topics one week from today. Any final thoughts from you, my friend? Nah, that was, I think that's it. That, that wrapped it up. That was a good well. time. All right, this has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Infinity of Cincinnati. Make sure you head to Local 12 and Local12.com for all your Bengals, Reds, college, high school coverage. We'll see you guys next week.